Welcome back, y'all, to episode 16. This has been a journey. This is the Zachary Wingate podcast, where I post a podcast for 365 days. Nothing is off the table. We are covering everything cultural, food, spiritual, UFOs, you know, with the extent to learn and see how this experiments goes. Today we got an interesting show for you. It's kind of a random, a random overview. Um, I'm going to be talking about dyslexia, word of the day, and country of the day, where I have a randomizer and I select a random country and talk about it. Today the country ended up being Somalia, so it's pretty interesting, got some interesting facts for you. It is October 20th, it's a Sunday in Augusto, and let's get started. Wow. So today, I will be getting into a pretty passionate topic for myself, and that is dyslexia, as well as word of the day. So I will have a word of the day for you. Um, But hopping into kind of where I want to go with this as it relates to dyslexia. So dyslexia in itself is not a new concept. Um, you know, they, pro- they project and determine that people have always had dyslexia. The time in which dyslexia has become more of an issue is during the education revolution in Europe around the turn of the century in the United States of America. And essentially what happened within this education revolution that created the... Um, kind of created the stage for why dyslexia was becoming more prevalent um, is because before the educational revolution, how people learned is through one-on-one internships, closed schools, um, a lot of hands-on learning. And this hands-on learning didn't require a lot of reading, arithmetic, or math, because if you were a blacksmith, you would have a certain level of schooling, but then you would train under a blacksmith to become a blacksmith, you know, and that would be your craft and trade. So you didn't have these long, extensive periods of education. Well, what coincide with the educational revolution or the, is the industrial revolution. So they both coincide with each other. So essentially what you had happen is people took the education system and they try to put it at scale. And as a result of putting it scale, one of the things they had to do to speed up the education process is to create books. And books have a lot of information in it, and books require reading. So this is where the issue of dyslexia kind of started. Um, whenever the education system kind of went on steroids and they tried to create an upscale approach. An upscale approach, and this approach really created a very intense kind of a look at the education system. And during around this time, this is when the concept of word blindness started becoming um, kind of a diagnosis. And word blindness in itself would eventually evolve into the word dyslexia. Now, Just to give you an idea of how the education system was at this time, you know, during that time around it, 
Thomas Edison entered into school. And as Thomas Edison entered into school, you know, Thomas Edison, obviously inventor, inventor of a light bulb, really common. It's kind of crazy. It's a very common job for people with dyslexia. Um, he entered into the school system and the teachers literally called him like dumb. They didn't think because he couldn't fit into the framework of the education system at the time, you know, their only excuse was he, it's his fault. He's dumb. You know, there wasn't any ownership on the teacher, the education system. Like maybe there's just different kind of learners. Well, Tom Sedison's mom was not about to let anybody call his son dumb. So she took him home and educated him one on one. And his mom just poured so much into him. And this is really what helped him get to where he needed to be. But in a society where you call people dumb, it's just, it's not, you know, even now it's like, how productive is it to look at a student and say, you're not smart. We can't teach you. Um, and this really comes from the industrial education process. We have a cookie cutter system. We have spinny wheels and cogs and if you are a round pig in a square hole you're not going to fit into this system so it's your fault and we're going to make you feel ashamed well that's how dyslexia really becomes such an issue within the education system you know that is really an, like an example and this isn't i mean this is going on for 50 years you know or longer you know where where, where kids with dyslexia don't have the ability to be educated. And then you look at the different issues with states. Certain states don't even do testing for it, right? So they don't even want to do testing, early stage testing, because of the cost. I mean, California is a great example of this. They don't do any early stage testing for dyslexia. And I don't think Missouri does as well. And I find it really frustrating that we are currently living in this age with technology. And there's nobody really you know, stepping up within the education system. You know, it's kind of like a problem that, you know, just keeps just keeps happening. And, you know, statistically, I mean, if you look at the Sun Tzu Art of War, and I hate to get all weird, not weird, but like deep, you know, essentially he has a quote that's like, if, you know, if you want to help people build a road, all right, if you want to have an impact on a society, plant trees. If you want to control and influence society, build schools. And essentially what it means is, you know, invest in the education system. You know, that's where, you know, that's really where our future lies. And, and, and when you get people who have dyslexia like me, like so many people I've talked to, they get stuck within it. And, you know, the University of Texas did this phenomenal study where they looked at the majority of people who get arrested have educational problems, have reading problems, you know. And that coincides with the theory of, if you know, if you feel like you are stupid and dumb your whole life, it's, you're going to feel like you're not a part of society. So, you know, I do think having a stronger education system um, – and I was really, really fortunate. You know, I got, they caught dyslexia at a really young age with me. Um, and I was moved to a private school called the Clear Springs School. And there I had a lot of one-on-one -on -one learning and a lot of hands-on learning, kinesthetic learning, that really allowed me to find some confidence. And 
Whenever you have dyslexia, in my opinion, it's way more important for your kid to find confidence in something they can do, whether it be sports, music, or talking to people, anything like this, etc. It really is going to help them excel. Um, and I think that within it now, you know, within you know, things are kind of transitioning with the technology. I think if you are dyslexia, dyslexic, um, this current environment now breeds the ability to be successful in a different way. Um, but still, you know, you'd think there would be a lot more testing and people holding it out there. You know, and another good technology to represent this is Speechify. You know, Speechify, I can't remember the CEO's name, but he's a young guy. He can only be maybe 28 to 30, but, you know, very capitalistic. He saw a need. And he created an app, and within this app, it reads, it can read to you. So if you have books that need to be read for school, you can submit it to them, and they'll actually have someone come in and read it. And then you can download and get your information if you're in school, if you just want to know a book. So, you know, if you're in college and, and you have something like this, I would strongly suggest it. Okay, so let's get into word of the day, and the word of the day is bodacious. Now, this is a word you just don't hear a lot, and I didn't think it was a real word, because I am from the generation Bill and Ted's Excellence Ventures, where they'd be like, yeah, that's bodacious. Bodacious is spelled B-O-D-A-C-I-O-U-S, which makes no sense to me, but... That's a whole different question. Um, and within it, you know, if you look at kind of the meanings of bodacious as a word, and we're just going to kind of look at what it means um, within the context. I'm kind of just drawing a blank. But bodacious in itself is a word that was implemented in 1837. Okay. So, you know, the root and the branch in its it says, the pig broke into my fence and destroyed the potato patch bodaciously. Okay, so so using the word in that context is just a bodacious pig coming in and just bodaciously ruining a potato patch. Okay, I'm really just trying to bring this word back, people, because it doesn't ever get used the same amount it needs to. So then, if you use it in a context for... Someone looking good, you can say someone's bodacious, beautiful, charming, engaging, fair, good-looking, handsome. You know, you take this word and you just use it in that context, and you see how you can use it for a lot of different things. Um, kind of getting into those aspects. So there you go. That's your word of the day. Bodacious. Okay, so I'm starting a new bit where I have a, a randomizer and I just select a random country. I do a little research on it and then determine just to talk about it. And today's country is Somalia. Now, the capital of Somalia is Mogadishu, and it's on the Horn of Africa. So um, some interesting things about Somalia is originally, um, you know, within the there's a lot of ancient religion there, and cultural heritage sites for Africa. Now, a random fact about Somalia is if it has the most pyramids of any 
country in the world. So Somalia has the most pyramids, which I find really interesting. They also are potentially responsible for domesticating the camel. And this is kind of where we see the camel um, being a part of, uh, you know, slowly integrating into more countries um, before the 7th century. Now, it looks like from the research I did from ancient um, Somalia that it had a lot of influence and shared a lot of relationships with Egypt and potentially even shared similar religions. Um, within their religion, it was called the, um, I'm probably going to butcher this name, so just bear with me for one moment. It was called the, the Wek, and this was the ancient religion kind of um, established within Somalia. You know, they had the, you know, the, the god angels, and they had a bear of death, which was known as Horat. And this is also considered to be potentially the same god within Egyptian religion as a large bird that comes down. Um, also, too, Somalia has some of the oldest cave paintings as well as stone tools that date back close to 40,000 years ago. Um, they have a cave painting in itself that kind of establishes that it, you know, the need for cattle. Um, and, you know, a French explorer founded these cave paintings in around 2003, where Somalia kind of transitions a little bit is around the 17th century with the influence of Islam. Um, Somalia in itself is a very tribal country. Um, and, you know, during this time, there was a large influx of, 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 of Islam and Arabian Muslims. And one of the first mosques ever built in Africa was considered to be built in, built in Somalia. Now, for what we know about Somalia, we know it's a failed state currently. Um, and there's a lot of different issues within the tribal leaders there. But one of the interesting facts is Somalia and Egypt border each other. And, you know, during the ancient times, it's considered that a lot of the Jewish Hebrews who fled Egypt actually ended up in um, Ethiopia and Somalia, which border one, which border each other. Now, this is a very, this was a theory then, but it has been proven. An interesting thing about Ethiopia is that the Ark is considered to be in Ethiopia, which, you know, you have a lot of religious ties to Ethiopia as well with Helsiasii. And essentially that can transitioning into Rastafarianism, which is a Jamaican, Jamaican religion, but I digress. So Somali in itself, you know, in the modern era within the, since the 1940s, you know, Somalia was under British rule. It was under Italian rule, kind of going back and forth. And essentially, you know, around the sixties, um, Somalia kind of gained more independence. And it was taken over in kind of a military government. It seems like the downfall of Somalia is when they tried to invade Ethiopia and they lost this war. And this war kind of spiraled everything out of control because there was about a million people within the Somalian um, coastal with that bordered Somalian Ethiopia. So you had a million people within Ethiopia. And after the war and what happened is it it springed a lot of Somalians in Ethiopia to go to Somalia 
about 1 million to be exact. And this kind of created things into a food crisis. It put strain on the society and created a lot of tribal war amongst Somalia. And essentially, they never really recovered from it, you know. The thing about Somalia is it's so rich in African history. And it's really sad because when you look at some of, like, the random facts about it is it has one of the highest mortality rates. I mean, people live to be about 55 there. And it has one of the highest levels of of infantalities. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are affecting it through poverty right now and tribal war. But in itself, you know, the history, the fact that it has the most pyramids, you know, kind of one of the first mosques in Africa was in Somalia. So that's my that's my take on Somalia today. Um, you guys have a good one. All right, y'all, that concludes our show for the day, episode 16 in the books. Tomorrow, we will have an interesting show for you. I will have on Phil Gassert again, the one only, and other Dave Goose as we talk about Top Gun 3 to determine if it is the greatest movie of all time. Y'all enjoy your Sunday, and I will see you again on Monday. So have a good one.